the Demon Dust Podcast, dedicated to the His Dark Materials, BBC, HBO television series, based on the works of Philip Pullman, is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan II, powered by the South Congress Podcast Network. Travis Bryant, Rich Fan, is with me along for the ride. Rich, what's happening? Not much. I'm looking forward to this third episode discussion and uh, really interested to see how people react to what's gone down. Yeah, episode three, it's... Um, I Crap, I, I don't remember the name of the episode. I, I thought I... Thought I'd, had it, but I, ideas of the North was last week. I don't remember. Um, next week is armor. What is? It's episode three of his Dark Materials, uh, the BBC HBO show, and <laughs> another exciting, heart pounding, you know, just a just well acted, just the spots, tremendous episode. The who? The Spies. The Spies. Oh, The Spies. Yes, that makes a ton of sense, and I think that was the name of the chapter. Yeah, they've done a really good job of trying to mirror those. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so The Spies, and we'll get to who The Spies are in a bit. Um, now, we're just going to go kind of chronological, just scene by scene. Last week, I jumped around a ton, and... Um, I think I missed one or two things. Lyra getting snatched at the end. I talked about her escaping, but didn't uh, didn't talk about uh, the gobbler snatching her up. Uh, but your overall thoughts, Rich, of of this here show, episode three, the spies. Well, I, I think they did a really good job with one the continued awesomeness of my girl Ruth, because Miss Coulter has just been the more you see of her, the more you hate her. And I really enjoy what they're doing with the communication between Lyra and Pantalaimon now. Yeah. As far as you can't tell when she's talking, when she's thinking, and vice versa for both of them. I thought it was, a, as I said a minute ago, just another really, really solid, excellent episode. It was just really good. But we got to see lots of demons. And one of mm-hmm. one of my notes that I took here, lots of demons being shown, but no real animals. So when they sh- they showed a, a wide shot kind of of the a few of the Egyptian boats in the uh, in in the river, and you got the idea that the birds flying around were belong to the demons in or I'm sorry belong to the humans in that were in the boat, but I'm not seeing yeah. like other just yeah just like native birds yeah i don't see like a because they they kind of give you a shot of two two demons two bird demons kind of having a conversation chittering on just hanging out on top of the boat just perched there on the boat on the boat just chilling and i'm just like yeah there's not a flock of real birds in the background or 
I don't, and I'm thinking of the first two episodes. Like, yeah, I don't get a. Uh, yeah, because people were complaining. Where are all the demons? Where are all the, all the demons? Well, this episode we got them, and it just made me think of <laughs> real animals. That's all. It was mm-hmm. not any kind of deal at all, big or small. It was just, just noticed it. Um, but yeah, we 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 open we open this episode with a right as a, a continuation. We got Lyra in the back of a van, as I said at the end of last week's episode. She was snatched after getting after escaping. Uh, Mrs. Coulter's uh, apartment uh, during the uh, during the party, the cocktail party, and um, so she's snatched up. She's in the back of a van. She's got a net. Uh, 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 I think that chapter was called the the throwing nets. They didn't show any of that because that's the way it happened in the episode last week. The, the fox that you hear you hear like what I have to assume is like a, the, the, a Pied Piper thing like a, a kind of an analog they have this this light eyed man with the fox demon who sings and the demons can't resist and they go running towards his I assume the man's demon fox and um while she's trying to get Pan not to run up to the fox, he comes behind her, hand over the mouth, and and you know she's kidnapped. In the books, they threw she was running. Pan is above her in the form of some kind of bird, and she's in a bit of a maze like. Uh, she's like on a dock, so I, I think. Where she, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a bridge. Sort of a, it's sort of a maze like hedgerow kind of deal, and Pan yeah. is a, is a bird flying above her. Looking, you know, all around, trying to get bird's eye view, and he's like, "Turn left, turn right, hold up," you know, like just kind of guiding her in that way. You didn't get any of that. It was just a standard kidnapping, <laughs> as these things standard these things go. You know, when you, you know, in your white van, and it says free candy but, on yeah, the side, you know, or puppies. that's the one thing you take away from three episodes in his dark <laughs> materials. You got a lot of kids getting kidnapped. Just, just, and and it and the numbers from episode one to episode three have sl- slowly increased for the number of Egyptian kids that have been taken. In episode one, yeah. it was sixteen. In episode three, this here episode, it would, they're up to twenty-seven. Uh, so it it gives you an idea of their panic. It's not. It's obvious. It's you know it. You know it's sixteen kids missing. That it's not a coincidence or some kind of weird thing where all these kids just happen to get lost or whatever. Like sixteen, you know, a dozen, two dozen kids are missing, and, and it's obvious. And obviously, they were on the trail last week, and uh, are following the gobbler clues that have been left behind. Um, and it's a weird situation too because if you if you think about it like our world and we're going to get to our world at some point during this show mm-hmm. uh, the the fact that if this was like our world you'd have internet sites set up twitter feeds etc but because everything's so disparate and because the Egyptians are so uh, seen as such almost like you know uh, as they're your girl Friday said yeah. yeah they're seen as like the uh not the dregs, but really like how uh, the uh, Romani are seen here in the in the world, where it's just these 
these travelers that you really never see roots taken down. So they're the easiest person. Like if this was one of these TV shows nowadays, it'd be the drifter that disappears and no one ever thinks about it. Yeah. And I, so that that's sad, man. I think in the books, the Egyptians had, they, when it, I think when it, I don't want to get, get it confused, but they had in, in some ways, very stark, uh, reduction of rights that non-Egyptians had. Right. Like they didn't fall under like they, like the reason they took things on, in their own hands was was because the government, the, the the state that you know took care of folks wasn't treating Egyptians because they were kind of again outcasts, outsiders, travelers, however you want to uh, describe them. I don't they they just aren't seen uh, as seen as the mainstream um, dominant society. Uh, but in, in, in here you got oh okay so in the book like I said they threw the nets over and that's how they got them and the Egyptians kind of were in the cut and kind of made save the day as they were kidnapping her like as they were in the process of tying her up in this net and, and carry her off uh, one caught an arrow and the like Lyra described like the guy just went limp his his, his his demon disappeared and she's like what the hell and then she noticed oh there's an arrow in his chest or back or whatever and so she was rescued that way this way they they drive they throw in the back of a van which some people have had issue with that they have somewhat modern modern uh vehicles (laughs) i don't i don't they look super like 40s and I don't, I don't see any issue with it. Like, what do you? Should they get around on the horse and buggy? Would that make you feel better? Because in the books they had cars. No. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think did. it's fine. Because it's going to be the interpretation of the. Once you televise it, it's going to be up to the interpretation based on how it was written. I think the way they've interpreted it, it's not like we see them driving up in a in a Lambo or something. So I, I, I think it's fine. Although I'm not sure if Boreal, Carlo Boreal had a car, I think, uh, and we haven't learned his alter ego's name in in our world, but in the books it's Charles Latchum or Latchum or something like that. He had a car, so I guess that that was kind of our world. But it was super quiet, and I think it was electric. Hopefully they 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 stick with that. But anyway, uh, the the Egyptians. The, the the kidnappers stop and they like okay I think they like got to their destination and there were Egyptians waiting on them and a whole bunch of them and it was only two kidnappers and the Egyptians made short work of the kidnappers and saved Lyra and Lyra's like holy crap Tony Costa he's like Lyra? She's like Tony? <laughs> <laughs> and so hey now, now that's how she gets with the Egyptians and totally fine I didn't think the, the throwing nets was necessary like the way they the way they kidnapped her it was an okay change from the book uh did you uh did you how'd you feel about that opening scene connecting last week's episode i liked it i i I thought that they did a really good job of taking us it wasn't a previously and then dumping you into something so disjointed that you feel like hey what the heck happened last week it was just really seconds or minutes after so i was really cool yeah then we've got then we've got mrs coulter on a warpath she's at jordan college she's got a bunch of jackbooted thugs with her and they and you hear they're all walking in formation you hear the boots on the ground like it's an army walking 
uh, marching, and she's leading this fascistic looking, you know, uh, army. Oh, I'll get to the real Nazi aesthetic a little later uh, that they're not shying away from. Uh, but she tells him, toss the place, find me anything heretical or illegal. And my my immediate thing was, well, it's Jordan College. Like, he's not, the master's not stupid enough to keep a heretical materials around. <laughs> she confronts him in one of the best scenes of the episode. I think mm-hmm. this, is, this is the first time we see these two, uh, the master of Jordan and Mrs. Coulter. Uh, so Ruth Wilson and Clark Peters on screen together and it was electric whatever right master and 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 coulter three exclamation marks phew like this was just great and and she she wants to know where lyra is and he's like i I gave her to you (laughs) what you mean where's where's lyra I, i put her in your care but obviously he uh she's not buying that she thinks he's she thinks he knows more than he's saying uh, she goes full Fahrenheit 451. Meanwhile, his whole college and place is getting tossed by the jackbooted thugs. She's uh, she's demanding, you know, demanding answers and, and and doing that whole thing. Then one of her assistants come in, comes in, and with three very thick books, she's like, "Oh, look what we have here!" And it's his, it's the alethiometer books. I'm like, "Oh, that's rough. of course." Unless he was gonna. I, I don't know. I think that's a bit I mean of they a, they that was a that was a little bit of a cheap way out because yeah. he could have said this is a consortium of knowledge well, and of course we would have the history no, 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 of the no, no. elite. He tried. That's exactly what he tried to do. He tried to say this is an academic book. She's like, "Nah, bit. These books have been banned by the magisterium and um there is no, you know, unless you know, so where's the elite, you know, so uh, unless you have an elithiometer, why are you why do you have these books? I don't understand. But even if, that's a trap because if he would have said they had one in that well, conversation I, I, I at that get time. It. But I think the whole thing is a cheap because it makes him kind of silly. He sent her away with the alethiometer. Boreal was just there. He knows scholastic scholarship is not going to work with the magisterium. He has to know that they're going to be on his case and on his heels early. And he keeps those books around that he doesn't need anymore because he doesn't have the lithiometer. I'm not saying he had to burn the books, but they clearly were just in his office on the shelf where they normally are. Because it was within 10 minutes of them search, you know, ransacking the place and, and they found him. And I just thought I would think he would go, uh, I shouldn't have these books. I'm going to have trouble with the magisterium, so maybe I should hide them. Again, you don't have to destroy them. Make them work harder to find those books. But I, but it had to. They had to have their clue. They had to have their leverage over him. He, um, he, he admits that he doesn't have the alethiometer anymore. And she's like, okay, well, who's got it? And he has this very concerned look on his face, like I don't want to tell you, but you are, you already know. And she's like, and then it hits her like, oh my God, Lyra's got it. Um, I I would have liked to see it would have tied the scene on the Zeppelin uh, together because in the books 
Lyra was trying, as in the show, she's hiding the thing away, making sure Mrs. Coulter, no one really sees it and knows that she has it. But there was this feel, it was, it was, there was this feeling that Mrs. Coulter knew she had it. Because that's when they knew, or they kind of hinted that her and her demon could separate. And I think she caught the monkey fiddling around with her purse that she kept it in or, or or there was some kind of sign that the monkey that that Mrs. Coulter might have known about it uh that she that she had it but on the zeppelin they showed Lyra like fiddling in her pocket and like trying to push it down and they gave and they, then the monkey focused in like what what she what's she doing and they never paid that off i thought this would have been a nice and and it would have only been for people like me that were looking for it but if Mrs. Coulter shot the monkey a look before she went and got in the Master of Jordan's face and was like, you tell me everything you know or I'm going to destroy this place. And he was like, do what you got to do. And she was like, you heard him. Toss the place. And her minions continued to, to fully and thoroughly ransack the uh, Jordan, uh, ransack Jordan College. Any more uh, thoughts on that scene, Rich? No, not really. I mean, just went through I, as far as I was concerned. Once she started ripping pages out of the book, and once mm. she said, "You heard him," the, the 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 goal wasn't, you know, you're not going to find evidence if you're just throwing stuff on the floor. It's like when my son's, you know, cleaning up a room, and then all of a sudden he just flips a bowl of cereal on the floor. Uh, he's not teaching me a lesson. He's he's just being a jerk, and that's that's basically what they were doing. They just decided. We know you can put these books away. We know you can, you know, untear these books or tape well, them, whatever you're going to do. She tore a couple pages out. Oh, she threw them in the fire. Threw it yeah, in that, the was, fire. That, was, that wasn't right. I mean, if it was a book I was reading and then you just took out page 66. <laughs> right. Or it's just the middle part. Like, what do you mean Auntie M is dead? Right. Son of a... Like, is, yeah, that's a lot. It, it, that, But that's, again, they mastered getting her out there. And I know, you know, Friday had mentioned she was worried about the motherhood stuff. No. Miss, well, they try Ms. to Coulter, sneak some of that in here. With the, she's with a full the, scumbag. The yeah, she is. Is she a zealot? Is this Mrs. Coulter, specifically this, you know, this TV version, is she a real religious zealot? Because in the book, you just, I got the feeling, certainly, it was just power that's where the that's where right, she, could, she could get a t- she could attain they even matter of fact no they spelled it out because as a one as a female academic she's going to be it, they really spelled it out in the book that this was her avenue for power that's why she cre- had the general oblation board created this wasn't even a thing and the, and the way they explain it in the books is it was all these offshoot um, branches of the magisterium fighting for power, and they brought that theme back in the in the secret commonwealth uh, with the papal and trying to consolidate power and all these power plays and political machinations. Um, I think this Mrs. Coulter buys into like when she was she was talking, yeah she's all in she was talking when she's talking to the master of Jordan. I was like, wait, does she believe this stuff? So I'm 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 not sure I'm not completely sure, but in the, the book version, I was sure she didn't give a crap about the religious part. She didn't. She I mean she did all kinds of stuff to 
to to bypass she 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 sinned and she was did all kinds of very blatant things that that went against the church that weren't just that they wouldn't go oh well you had to do what you had to do to the ends justify the means like even they and their scumbaggery have some like like hey fam like you can't just be super blatant like even father mcphail he's like no i don't drink tea and but which was basically a to me i thought it was him just saying like her doing her little s- subtle sexual sexual thing and then, her, and then her going of, no of course you don't how about some water because <laughs> she's going oh right you're a stuck up you know priest and and of course you don't do things so again i'm not completely sold that she's a zealot i i just think she can she certainly can turn that on when 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 she needs to uh, the zealot. I, th- I think she is a zealot, but I think with television and with having Ruth Wilson play her, you have the ability to play into her raw. Just she's a I zealot. I mean, every character. But I mean, a religious zealot. Like again, in the books, I didn't. I don't. Th- again, I just think it was all power. But in here, yeah. I think she kind of buys into what the magisterium selling. Yeah, and I think that's why she did what she did, even with uh, the the pseudo seduction with the tea kind of mm-hmm. and innuendo because she could she wants to make sure you either are under her thumb or she has something she can leverage to get you near it or was just kind of to get in his personal space and make him uncomfortable and dominate his and dominate the room and set a tone like this is my my apartment you're this is my space he clutches his pearls yeah next we get lyra on egyptian boat headed toward headed meeting the egyptians she's She's, she sails on into their territory and everybody's kind of lined up watching you know this troublemaker I mean it's kind of like oh we're doing all everything's not centered around her as far as the Egyptian point of view they are trying to get their own kids but they're kind of just all looking all eyes on her she sees Father Coram uh, yeah she sees Father Coram and uh, like just kids and, and regular Egyptian citizens kind of just watching her arrival and Tony's explaining they were just having a bit of a conversation and he gave her this really cold I just ice grilled mess out of her and I was like is he upset at Lyra like in some way but it didn't come back it never I just think I read into his the look he gave her but on the boat as they sailed up as they you know motored up motored into into like dock or port he kind of gave her this look and that's when i saw all the uh the gyps, uh, the demons um, but but no real animals and then she has a a real one on one with john Fry and father Far- Far- just kind of like look you're here uh, she kind of insinuated like, "Oh, well, I'm nice to be kidnapped again, or nice to be in <laughs> captivity again." So John Fry had to let her know, like, "Look, <laughs> we've got, we, you know, we got your best interests at heart," and but it was still kind of secret, like not t- giving up the whole goat. So she's like, "What well, this got to do?" Oh, he's like, "You're very important to us," and she's like, "Oh, because of my father, because of Lord Azrael," and. They shoot each other a look like, what? She knows? How did you know? And they even ask, how did you know that? Coram asks, how'd you know that? Fa just, it, it just went, 
bust right through like whatever I don't care how you know that's not the point and he just kept trying to trying to uh, uh, you know garner her her trust and he even told her like look you're not our prisoner you if you think you you're in the fins now or no they're, I don't think they're in the fins anymore no not yet but um but you can you can you can go you know but please stay with us we got your best interest at heart and um and obviously she relented and she and he he told her like my my course my cost is gonna 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 uh, house you and you know you should be you should be all right and then we get to Ma's boat and she's questioning Tony because Tony was in on that raid the one that saved Lyra he that he snuck out to do that Benjamin DeRoyter told him hey I got you know I got something for you because she wouldn't let him she no Tony I already got a missing son I don't want to mess with my Costa no more I, I said I'm a quick play <laughs> but she was you know Brian again she's a grieving mother you know kid yeah kid heaven forbid man. the grieving mom right, doesn't right, want right. to lose another kid doesn't want to, yeah but she you know no Tony Tony like I'm a man I make my own decisions you see my hawk demon settled and, and confident <laughs> Luba or whatever his, his demon's name is um, and 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 he's just super obvious that he's hiding something. He's like trying to eat like a you know bowl of porridge or something. Like oh like yeah no you know we just were on a raid. We just got lucky. He tried to like make it seem like we heard some scree- screaming from the back of a truck. So we or you know van. So we had to go investigate. And hey look at that we saved Lyra. And Makas is looking at Lyra like is this what happened? And and Lyra didn't sell him out. She just was like, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever. That's that's how that's how it went down. Um, actually, that the questioning came before uh, uh, Lyra went to talk to John Fah and Father Quorum, and then, like I said, she revealed that uh, that she knows who Azrael is in relation to her. Um, yeah. Any, anything more on those those two scenes? Anything. No, I don't think so. I think the next one's the one that's really got the bigger discussion piece. I think this was just, again, really well acted and did a good job of showing Lyra as the intelligent, perceptive woman we know her to be in the books. And also Quorum and Fa as trustworthy, you know, like they did a good job, I think. Like it's it's like they, they saved her. Like she knows that. Yeah. And she knows the Egyptians she knows who my course my costa is who is my corso that i'll keep wanting to call her that she knows who my costa is she knows tony so she knows she's safe i think a lot of this is just she's fed up because you know she spent the last couple weeks you know basically captive to mrs coulter and she doesn't want to feel like anybody's captive, and she's just sick of being on the run already. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's early, girl. <laughs> you better get used to it. <laughs> um. So, what scene were you talking about? Boreal's running with the clergy guy. Uh, where uh, homeboy gets to show something from another book. Go ahead. Uh, what do you? What do you mean? Uh, when 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 we're at the uh, after the chat with uh, Ms. Coulter and our favorite uh, world hopper decides to show everyone 
that there are other worlds than these if I can borrow the uh, gunslinger. And steps through, sees his car has a boot on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so there was some, some stuff in before that. So leading up yeah. to, to Boreal crossing over again, he has a run-in with this clergy guy who's basically telling him, fam, she, she raided Jordan College. <laughs> like the magisterium. Was because their whole thing when in the, in episode one when the cardinal went up to Father McPhail like, yo, the general oblation board is bringing way too much heat. And these kidnapped kids, Egyptians busting in on stuff, almost finding them. Fam, you y'all got to get this under get her under control. And 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 then Father McPhail relayed that like, look, when he's in her apartment, like, look, we will throw you under the bus. You're you, and by proxy, the general oblation board. Though it's you know we we were good. We like that program you're running. Obviously, we're letting you do it, but it ain't it ain't the the cause. And we will throw you and that entire project under the bus and disappear all of y'all if we have to. And it's more of more of the same here. Like yo, she went in there bold and loud this is going to have repercussions and he's like and Boreal's like and she'll deal with them and he's like weren't well, you a part of the raid he's like I'll deal with the repercussions too meanwhile or another word and then he like um did he get information oh oh the clergy said tells him rumor yeah. has it the Egyptians have Lyra and that was and that was his uh that was the magisterium's clue to keep them on on the trail and um yeah and we have we have Lyra on Egyptian boat she finally like changes into like some Egyptian clothes out of that dress she was wearing at the at the, at the party and Pan talks some sense into her because she's she had eyes for escape like I don't want to be here somebody's ca- you know ca- captive again blah 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 all that kind of stuff and uh, Pan talks some sense to her, and uh, basically convinces her, convinces her to stay. And um, like, hey, we can, we can try. Like, Pan's super protective, not protective, cautious. Yeah. And it's great because the conversation is fully between their thoughts. Yeah, but he's the he's the one always telling her no, don't do it, or even even in would be detrimental situations where he tried to convince her not to that the poison that the master put in 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 Azrael's in his wine, it's like oh well we can trust it wasn't you know so he's not always right and he's not always wrong, uh, but this time he was right like no we can trust Egyptians we got we really don't have a choice and if we run that's that's not going to be great. And then, and then the next thing we have Lyra and 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 uh, Ma Costa bonding in the kitchen. She's like, "Look, oh, Lyra's trying to every chance she gets, she's trying to sneak and like uh, read the alethiometer. Just stay. She stares at it. She tries to get it to work. And Ma Costa's like, "Hey, come help me in the kitchen. I'm cooking." And she's asks, she has Lyra. You know how to cook? She's like, "Roger did. <laughs> what do I need to know how to cook for?" And uh, Makasa just basically laughed at her, and it's like, oh, every good Egyptian woman knows how to cook and hold down a 
hold down the fort and you know take care of her crib she's like is that what i am egyptian woman or is that what i'm going to be kind of alluding to is this my fate like am i yeah kidnapped have i become a not child even the kidnapped like part, but just like is this do i live with y'all now and that's kind of how i took it because she's a kid she doesn't have much choice and she's like so do i hang out with y'all that's this is my life now which is different from the books because uh you know after a while and i and again this is going to be a truncated egyptian stay uh, or truncated egyptian uh, uh, uh journey yeah because in the books it, was, it felt like three or four months and i think it's gonna they're not gonna, but by the end she she swore she was egyptian she tried to talk like egyptian act like egyptian and makasa was like you ain't no Egyptian. You ain't never gonna be no Egyptian. So get that out of your head. You are not a water soul. You got fire in your blood, and that like kind of hmm, always stuck with her, even throughout the rest of the of the trilogy, and possibly into the, the second trilogy that we're reading now. Um, I but, think it changed up a little bit just because of the timing of how they're doing everything else. Yeah. And but how they're including like because they know where the, the, the quote unquote end is in sight, they can they can play around with some things that they didn't maybe some uh, a lesser director or a lesser showrunner wouldn't want it to have included. Like we didn't need to see Costa go through and I'm sorry, um uh my brain stopped working. Uh we didn't need to see him like step through. Which I had a logistical question: like, is that just a tear in the space-time continuum that the subtle knife or whatever they use can't close? Because you could just have fools stumbling into that thing anytime well, you want. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly how, as we learn later, Will's dad got the John Perry. Is how he got to where he is. Um, that's how Will found in the books. That's how he found his. His his window and yes exactly what you said those are they explain, maybe that's where all the birds went they explain <laughs> like they're all like flash it's <laughs> well they explain they explain um, that uh, in in the books I don't I don't want to give yeah. too much yeah that's what I'm trying to like be careful about, about the knife and 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 why these yeah. tears are still there and and all that kind of thing yeah. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so then we get to 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 the crossover scene. We've got Boreal stepping over, stepping into our world again. We get to see our buses and traffic and modern modern London, uh, our modern Oxford, England. He got Ben Google, and then he uh, he he goes to get in his car, which is his little. So far, all we know is his little safe hideaway. He doesn't have. We haven't seen his apartment or his house or anything. It's just his car. And he's got a boot, <laughs> and I and I and I gasped. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, yeah, he got a boot!" And he was. So, I was stressed out for him. He was, because I'm like, man. And he just kind of looked at it. He looked around like, "Is this what?" And he and he and again, this is not his world. Like he's used to it in some ways, but ever he hasn't experienced everything. And he kicked it a few times, like. Oh, okay. And then the next thing you know, uh, he's just driving. So he got the boot taken off, or he got a rental. I don't, I don't know. They didn't. They didn't uh, <laughs> go too deep. 
Uh, but he's driving. I'm surprised he didn't see like sparks flying outside. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, you know what? Screw this. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a drive. I bet my car is tougher than this boot. My axle and wheels tougher than this boot. And then you realize he got a whole life in our world. He's driving. He's got probably his GPS going, and and he gets to this lakeside really awesome lakeside kind of cabin i don't know if it's his i don't know if it's it's thomas's who was there his 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 buddy from uh last week and thomas came through first off facial recognition like this is not that you didn't have a clue but last time with the cell phone and blah 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 but this is our world all of our technology facial recognition he found out that grooman isn't grooman his name is john perry he's 14 year military guy like beret like a like one of the top you know he's a colonel and he went missing in in alaska 12 years ago that's all anybody knows and that well that's all he could get his hands on because again he's a colonel this stuff isn't exactly just hanging out on paste bin you know waiting to be downloaded it's just you know he had to you had to pay some people or hack in or whatever he had to do they didn't get into it but thomas came through with that info and i'm like oh this is uh talk to snowden this is going to be interesting so um so yeah and 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 he at boreal when he gets all his information he has a hard copy thomas made this kind of like look this is the hard copy like this is the because he knows like i'm giving you this info is this even a part of your mission or is this like a personal side story and borio kind of like didn't answer he's like this is personal and 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 it doesn't matter for tom i mean i don't know why they i guess because i don't i don't know why they felt the need to to add that i can only think i can only guess it's because they want to make it obvious. Yeah. Because, you know, if you don't read the books, yeah, this is not a magisterium approved <laughs> thing. I'm not even sure. Because if the magisterium knew about these doorways, these windows into other worlds, they, yeah. they would they would say it's heretical. And they would, they would say that, like, you're basically committing an act of not necessarily witchcraft, but you're, 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 this is crimes against. Like, no, that doesn't. It's like when the dude in uh, I always go to the semi-pro rule is the first time they saw the alley-oop and the, re- and the referee's like, no, I, foul. Uh, That's two fouls. Can we do that? Can they? Yeah. So, so, so I guess that was just, again, like I said, to show that that is abs- that Boreal is him and Coulter are doing their own thing. Maybe even, well, no, Coulter's definitely in on it. Um, and he gives them the hard copy, pictures, all the info, where to find them, Will's picture. They, he mentioned he can't. It's hard getting information on the mom because she's got a bunch of mental history of mental uh, mental um, mental health issues. But you do see the picture of Will, and you're like, you know, like, oh, everybody got to get. I think every, we all had all the book readers had the same, you know, kind of giddy reaction to seeing to seeing Will. Um, and then we get to uh, then we get back to the boats and Egyptians and Lyra and Lyra and Fartacorum have a, a really nice talk he gave her uh, a, a really decent pep talk you know kind of just uh, 
kind of just, you know, they talked about demons. He, there, Sufflenax was there, Corum's yeah. demon. Um, wasn't as majestic, not majestic, um, Regal? magical. No, no, no. Like the fur, Sufflenax's fur had this quality to it that, that was that uh I forget how it was described, but I remember it being super unique. Eh, this Sulfan actually just looked like a big old cat. Um And he even makes the comment Oh, they do the word they do the book dialogue where Coram's telling him where she's like, I don't want my I don't want Pan to ever settle. And he's like, You do, because you don't you're gonna get sick and tired of him changing and being different things all the time. When your demon settles, that gives you a that gives you a, a an insight on what kind of person you're going to be. It's like I never thought Tony Costa's would have demon would have settled as a hawk, you know. He's like, so it's always surprising. And Pan's like, I want to be a mole. <laughs> and he's like, what? And she's like, you know, so I can burrow underground and stay away from predators. And he's like, yeah, that could be useful, but not exactly useful in the water, you know, because he's a he's a water person. He's a he's Egyptian. Yeah. And um. Again, they just have this really awesome talk. He shows, he's like, you want to go see the man who kidnapped you? I don't know why it was just one, because two guys were in on it. I don't know if one died in the in the, in the initial scuffle. I, I don't know. Uh, but Benjamin DeReuter's in there interrogating the guy. They didn't make it, they didn't, they didn't make it like violent. Like he's not in there just beating the guy up. Tell me what you know. You know, just socking him in the stomach and all that kind of thing. He was just, Basically, like he insinuated, hey, it's just you and me alone in this boat. Nobody coming yeah, to save you. So, so with you, you get the, you got an idea that he got some kind of information, and they wanted to go to her apartment, and that's how I think that's how they got the idea. It was from that guy. Um, and then we had, uh, and then after all that, or during that. The CCD again with the tip from the clergyman. Uh, uh, I'm sure Mrs. Coulter through Boreal then uh, with the tip from Boreal from the clergyman put the CCD on him like, hey, she's with the Egyptians. Uh, this was again right from right from the books. She except they didn't they they in in the TV they just hid her very well. In the yeah. books they hid her in a in a lined box underneath the ship or in the ship's like whatever that was lined with lead or something so other other demons couldn't because uh, they all had hyena type demons they were like weird dogs weird wild dog looking demons and they were sniffing around sniffing around and she was just behind like some it was like a nice hiding spot but it didn't seem as elaborate and certainly wasn't they didn't get across that it was lined with something to keep Instruments or demons from sensing another a person or another demon behind or in a in a box or whatever. They just hit her very well, and you know, but they were dressed. Oh my God! The one guy looked like Obergruppenfuhrer with the long leather coat and the the white shirt underneath with the collar and the yeah, it was like and a bald head. He just looked super like just like a giant freaking Nazi. Like again, they are not shying away from the fas- from the fascistic imagery and aesthetic, like with this magisterium and their logo and all that kind of stuff, but with the clothes as well. 
Um, <laughs> and then maybe the shot of the series so far. We have Mrs. Coulter in her in Lyra's room, the room she had set up that Lyra was standing in when she was there, and she's just shaking kind of with rage. Yeah. And then the she's monkey. just inside herself. And then the monkey. They show the shot from the hallway of the monkey walking into the room and closing the door behind them. Behind him. But before the door closes, she tears off the, you know, the covers of the the, the blankets on the bed and flips over. You know, starts flinging pillows and feathers go flying out of the pillow. And then the door cl- closes and you you hear like a muffled. You know, she's in there yelling and shouting and being a piece of crap I, I thought that was just a tremendous uh, tremendous piece of, uh, of film and cinematography and all that it was just such a good shot and I, I wish it was the first time I saw it but I saw it two or three times in, in various trailers or or, or uh, you know later in the season you know uh, okay so then we have uh, yeah so we got Coulter flipping her wig and Lyra is Mrs. Coulter's like coast is clear and Lyra is fed up and and understandably so she's on the run her she doesn't have a her her adrenaline is just always peaking she you know how they people have that go through trauma where they're where they live in like war zones or or some kind of thing and 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 kids in particular who are always peaking adrenaline just uh, uh, always scared always they just never aren't that anymore they have to spend their whole lives you know adult lives like trying not to be af- afraid or have that instinct that you know that, that that trauma just seeps in and she's just fed up and she runs off the boat and Makasa follows her and she's trying to convince her um, that that they have her best interest in, and she's like, I can't even trust you if you won't, because t- she could tell she's holding Marcos was holding something back. She's like, you won't even tell me the truth. How do you expect me to trust you? And Marcos goes, Okay, what everybody's not telling you is that Mrs. Coulter is your mother. And it's like, b- bam! Two weeks in a row, we get the par- the parental the par- parentage reveal. Yeah. And this time the mom, and she's beside herself. Like finding out Lord Azure is your dad. At least she, she loved him and certainly respected him and wanted to be around him and wanted him to to show her affection and, and all that kind of thing. But Mrs. Coulter finding that out now, like, oh crap. Because in the book, I I think I think Azriel told her way at the end of the first book because that's when he shows up again I, I, I right. think I, I fact check me no, on no, that you're right. but I think as she didn't find out to the end of book one so again they're mm-hmm. moving some things around for the sake of storytelling and it works and I think it serves the purpose of like I was saying before you, you just need to get ahead of because you're doing so much in one season you don't need it to slow play and you don't need to, you know, it, so it's really, it's really creative how they're doing this. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. Like they're, they're pacing this thing out really well. 
and 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 okay so so this scene ma with lyra where she has to like break down and tell her that it's that mrs coulter is her mom and she basically then like gives her this talk like look you know uh, <laughs> it just kind of was very motherly to her she even told her like I think it was this conversation. Maybe it was the one they had earlier in the kitchen. Um, like, I held you as a baby. You know? Oh, she told her the full story. That's what it was. She said, um, and which was all this pretty much uh, from pretty much how from it happened book. in the book. Uh, <laughs> she, she told her um, that, that Mrs. Coulter was married to some guy named Edward Coulter. And. <laughs> And Mrs. Coulter met Asriel in the north at some thing, some event or some some conference, and fell in love immediately and got knocked up. And they thought they could get away with it, but once Lyra was born, it was obvious that she was Asriel's kid. Edward Coulter, feeling obviously besmirched, uh, oh, she was hot. She he placed her with Egyptian family, Egyptian nurse or Egyptian something. And it turns out that was Marcosta, and he's like, "We they held they hid you really well, but if he kept searching, he was going to find you." Next thing you know, Azrael rides up. They fight. Azrael kills him, and the courts in the system were like, "What do we do? A man has the right to defend his home, which Azrael was doing, but a man also has the right to avenge his." wife or some super like like no he doesn't you don't get to you don't get to kill somebody that because you found out your 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 wife was sleeping with some guy like that's not how this but this ain't our world <laughs> and you know honor and all those things are are are, are different so the courts uh, tried to have it both ways and they stripped uh, they stripped um Azrael of his land of his titles of all his money and uh forget what they did with Lyra but she, oh put Lyra with uh put Lyra with the nuns um and and she told it as he went Azrael during the great flood went and stole you and gave you gave her, you to Jordan that's eh, not exactly how it happened it happened right. during the great flood but he didn't go and steal anybody so but again that's that's fine cuz she's a She's she knows this second hand, you know, hearsay and second and third hand. We've been hearing that a lot lately if you're following American politics. Um but but um Yeah, so they have a they have a a, a really a really good moment. She 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 comforts Lyra. They 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 hug and it's like a a, a tender tender moment and 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 some uh and the story is advanced. And then what I have in my notes, Marissa been drinking. Yes. <laughs> Mrs. Coulter is on the ledge of on the balcony of her apartment, walking on the ledge, with no. And her monkey is shook out with inside. A, with a with a with a glass of you know brown liquor. Yeah, no, 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 no. This was she was on that lick. She had herself some really you know fancy rum or something she was not drinking chardonnay she was on that heavy stuff 
And yeah, her monkey. No, was, she was going hard stuff. Her monkey was in the apartment watching her teeter and almost fall off of this ledge. <laughs> it shook Daddy straight up, and uh, and then she she has Lyra's dress laid out on the ledge in a box. She opens the box, puts these little 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 round things on Lyra's dress. They spring to life as little beetles like little mechanical beetles and you're like oh, I'm like spy flies oh my god they're gonna bring the spy flies and they get I don't know the scent a little DNA I don't know from the dress and they fly off and you know exactly who they're going who they're looking for and uh, how do you th- how did you like the spy flies I liked it a lot especially the way where she opened them up and it could have been cheesy but they went with so much attention to detail with the way that they kind of unfurled. And then she kind of had the dress laid out. And I thought it was a nice dynamic too, because we get to see the spy flies and you had just mentioned a few minutes ago, the idea of Lyra wearing the Egyptian stuff and trying to find her own clothing. Mm -hmm. Then you have a piece of her clothing like laid out on almost like Beetlejuice when they were trying to reanimate the ghosts when Otho was reading from the spirit guidebook. Yeah. Like it was really cool how she was like basically trying to raise Lyra with these five flies. Yeah, she sends them on their way and like I said, you know you know exactly the beeline no pun intended, but the beeline they were uh they were making. And then we got Boreal and like this is like all the president's men situation where he's like in a an indoor parking lot I thought it was fast food Friday was like I'll let you watch again on the second on your second watch he's he has like a stick a toothpick or something and he's poking it into a cup and eating something out of it I couldn't tell if they were I, I thought initially he was eating like french fries. I was like, is Boreal eating fast food? Is he in our world indulging on all the vices? And like, fam, do you, <laughs> good thing y'all don't have this stuff, man. And your, your sodium levels. I mean, like, chill off the off the <laughs> fast food. He goes show back up in, in in his world. His culture gonna be like, Boreal, you're you're sweating. You, you look a little look a little puffy. You get yourself checked out. Um, but yeah, he has this. Henchmen walk up to him. Here's what you need. Find this family. Find this, you know. He gives them the hard copy packet of the Perrys, of John Perry, of Will Perry, of and presumably his the mom. Now that I watch this again, I think they're on a dock because it looks like the way the reflection. It looks like they're in water is in front of them, and you can't see it, but you can see kind of the waves reflecting on the concrete behind them so um yeah there's will and they don't let me i'm watching now nope they don't show will's mom so he uh he's um yeah he's got uh he's he's moving on <laughs> um, we got a we got Egyptian roping and speaking of roping there's a as I talked about last week the community of his dark material his dark materials podcasts and, and various uh, 
Shoot. Roping everybody together. Yeah, and like, hey, y'all trying to do his dark materials roping, and we're in, in, you know, we got like a DM thread, and there's like eight different podcasts, and obviously it's not, it's some of these podcasts have three hosts. <laughs> They're like, some people are in France and Belgium and and goddamn Germany and in the UK and in and Canada and the States and we're like how are we going to make this work logistically and there's Thanksgiving and they're like we don't have Thanksgiving in Belgium that's oh, not geez. a th- yeah it's uh and they're like okay how about we do a North America how about we do a North American contingent and then we can do a, a European episode and I'm like but I wanted to talk to Amy and Ian <laughs> And they're UK folks, and yeah, it's we'll, we'll figure out how to make how to make this work. I, I certainly want to get Cassie on. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe next week. But I want to get her in at the at the mid at the midway point. So hopefully, we'll have you guys uh, get graced with Cassie Explosions uh, presence once again. But at this Egyptian roping. It was. It played out similarly, similarly to the books. It was for the Egyptians. All the, not about all the Egyptians, but everybody send like some kind of representative. Fa and Quorum are there. All like the leaders of the various clans and you know whatever are, and areas are are there. And some people, specifically Raymond, wanted to. Uh, let the landlopers deal with the gobblers. Hey, like I'm sorry, our, some of our kids got went missing, but you know we're well, now we got one. Now we got a landloper. We got we got to protect one. Lyra, she's gonna mm-hmm. make. We already got raided, and this is just the beginning. Lyra then snatched away and made like this really awesome speech about uh you know y'all don't know her. Mrs. Coulter ain't gonna stop until. You know, we find she finds what she wants, and she kind of got everybody uh, in the in the right frame of mind. So then Corum, Corum then, no, I'm sorry, John Father then uh, D- Benjamin DeWriter had a few words. Corum said a few things, but far, uh, John Father then fired everybody up. He gave this, I mean, one of the most rousing speeches. I've heard on TV in a long time just rallied his troops and didn't do they didn't have Father Coram do that thing they did in the books where he made Raymond I forget his last name and it's because they want him to be liked because he's a he's a main character or or, or a main side character he's a main Egyptian character and they don't want him to just be a piece of crap like Raymond in the book was because Raymond in the book was like basically we should tie her up leave a note saying sorry but here she is like this is just like she's not our problem we don't and he's like in the in the books like remember what Azrael did for the Egyptians in parliament you know obviously before he had his title and all of his stuff taken away you know he 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 advocated for us he got us these rights you know things that that's what it was the egyptians weren't recognized in like government affairs in the books so Azrael be it was an ally was their ally and would fight for them in parliament and and outside of parliament and got them like land rights and waterway rights and all kinds of stuff that they were in, or should be entitled to as like a, a a real community of 
of, of you know they they contribute greatly to this that society and uh, yeah so so we didn't so we didn't get Raymond being because by the end of that speech Father Quorum gave, he was like, now, Raymond, would you say we, you know, you still want to give her up on a silver platter to the kidnappers of our children? You know, basically, like, if we give up on her, we're giving up on us. She, she, you know, we owe her just as much as we owe our own kids. And he just sunk back into, and everybody else cheered, and and that's what they got. They got the cheering part off. Father uh, John Fowl was rousing them. Everybody stomping in unison, like doing like a like Egyptian like beat, like Egyptians, we ride, you know. And everybody's like, yeah, and um, yeah. So the preparation to to go north. Oh, yeah, the preparation to go north was on. Um. Then we got Tony Costa sneaking off with Benjamin DeRoyter. And this was another thing I I meant to bring up in last week's episode because in the previews, I was like, they showed Benjamin, it looked like, in in Mrs. Coulter's apartment and his demon being grabbed by the golden monkey. And I was like, was that Benjamin in the previews in Coulter's apartment? So this is another change from the book. They They, what happened in the book was there was a, Egyptians got word about you know some factory or warehouse or something that the the gobblers were were uh, were were uh, hiding kids or something, and I don't know if it was a setup. It something happened and Benjamin DeRoyter ended up falling off of like a balcony or something or getting shot with an arrow and falling off a balcony. Or, or his demon got flung off a balcony and he had, it, I, I forget, but it wasn't, he didn't get caught in her apartment. It was, they were at a factory or some kind of thing doing reconnaissance and he got shot with an arrow and Lyra in her first real moment of, I think I just read the alethiometer. She asked, where, where are the, where are the spies that went to go? Because in, in the book, it wasn't a sneaking thing. It was a mission, Egyptian-sanctioned mission. Um, but they had, to, when Tony snuck off in the episode, she caught him and threatened, I'll scream, I'll wake up Mark Costa, which they sleep right next to each other, in separate beds, but in the same cabin. And I'm just like, God, it's got to suck to be Egyptian. You got to sleep. You just became a man, and you have to share a cabin with your mother? And presumably your little brother, if he was still around, this isn't a big boat. No, it's like a, like not a dinghy. It's more or less like a one of those like pleasure cruises, like the little dudes, not like the big like yachts. It's more it's, the ones you do it's, for it's, like a, a work trip. If you're a couple, or yeah. if you're out there on a fishing boat, like if it's a work boat and you're like a couple of dudes and you're sleeping underneath, and it's it's just like a dorm or camp or anything. But the dynamic it's is much totally different. totally that boat that those dudes are, wind up catching, like, Lord knows how many diseases when they go to, like, the Caribbean, and they're like, oh, hey, we're going to go <laughs> on that. The fun boat. Um, yeah, so, so he sneaks off. Lyra, okay, I'm not going to tell on you, but I'm also, I'm not going to tell on you. Good luck. Here's a tip. It's in, a, it's in her study at the end of the hallway upper right drawer bunch of papers there he's like bet she leaves 
on cue, of course, of course, oh, some time lapses. They show Tony and Benjamin motorboat, like they have, they're like in a little boat, and they they're on the river. Everything's done by boat with Egyptians. It's it's so awesome. And they they ride into London. You see all the apartments, and they climb up on the roof, and they get in. They pick the lot. They like jimmy the thing open with a crowbar. They they crawl down her the the uh, not the fire escape, but the uh, the thing that the elevator shaft pry open the elevator. They get in, and they hear some like clanking a little bit in the vents, and I'm like, oh shit, she. That damn monkey is watching them. But they, they go right for the paperwork. They get some stuff. He it, One looked like a map of sort of like where they are in the north. And then they show the monkey peeking in through the vent, watching them go through Mrs. Coulter's desk and everything. So it jumps down, screeches at him. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this dynamic. Like, they're scared of the demon. They're scared of the monkey. And I don't understand why. I, it's very confusing. Like, there's the, there's, there's the great taboo. You, you don't touch another person's demon. I guess that, that that monkey's a psycho and it might bite you and it's got those sharp monkey teeth. It, it wouldn't be pleasant, but it's still a little monkey. Like, Hit it with something. Like, what are you, what are you doing? You have a knife. <laughs> you know, like y'all, Jimmy, that um, study door open with a knife. Like, just or just throw something at. It. I, I don't know. Uh, Tony ran into like a bedroom. Benjamin DeRoyter ran down the hallway. Obviously, Mrs. Coulter's alerted and know their monkey screeching and screaming its head off. She written got a damn hand cannon. Mag, uh, uh, what, what was Harry? Harry something? Dirty Harry style, like 357. And Benjamin DeRoyter's running for the still open elevator shaft because he propped it open. And she, boom, busts him right in the back. He falls. His demon falls. Uh, she then. Okay. So she walks up and like points the gun and is about to shoot him, and his hawk demon or his bird demon like flew at her and like hit the gun out of her hand, and then he rushed her to like you know you know tackle her or do something fight her, and she hit him with like some of the craziest 1960s Batman looking judo moves. I didn't know what to think. I was, I was a little taken aback by how cheesy her fighting was. Like, she literally, like, got on his back and, like, karate chopped him a bunch. And also, she's got a, this giant hand cannon, and she shot with one hand. And there was barely any recoil. So, I now on the rewatch, I'm kind of like, eh, that gun was gigantic. And also, Benjamin DeRoyter should have had <laughs> an entire bowling ball size hole uh, uh, in him or, or, or something, but he didn't. So she, the monkey has, uh, after a struggle, the monkey has his demon under control, pinned down. She has Benjamin, like, kind of in a rear naked choke, and 
and is just sitting on him. Or or it's actually just in a rear naked choke. He's she's like, Tell me who you are, tell me who sent you. He's like, No, I'm not gonna tell you anything. And she's like, I can make this very painful for you. And the the monkey chokes his grabs his bird demon by the neck and he grabs his neck because he could you know, he's struggling to breathe. And then he gets one last burst of energy realizing, Oh, this cause she like starts playing in his hair. And it's like, oh, I can make this very painful for you. Like, Benjamin, I have the task. <laughs> and he gets one last burst of energy, jumps up, gives her like a backhand, like just pimp smacks her. Whoosh, and then he he backs up to the uh, elevator shaft and goes, I ain't selling out my family for nobody. And he just falls backwards into the elevator shaft and then his demon poofs into golden dust and the golden monkey is like trying to trying to like grasp the little the disappearing particles and mrs coulter pissed that her you know her lead is now dead and before she got any information out of him she's you know she's upset and uh yeah so i, I thought that was a tremendous scene did you enjoy the break-in scene? Again, an added scene, a, diff- a scene different from the books, significantly different from the books. I loved it, and I loved the fact that they even alluded to it in a way in the articles we read leading to it where they weren't going to be very um, – they didn't want to give too much away, but they did want to say they, – they, they, I think it was the in the first preview episode we did, they mentioned straight up there's going to be pieces of time that weren't accounted for in the book that we're going to have a chance to play with. And I think this was a good, that interaction was a great opportunity to see Coulter. And I felt like every step of the way with it from the interaction with the kids to the finale of it fit Coulter's personality. And it fits because they got Pullman to help write it. Back at, back on the Egyptian boat, we've got Lyra and Fartacorum trying to comfort her she tells him about the alethiometer but he's like sorry lyra it's not she's like can i help benjamin like can i uh, you know I, I gave them the information and i kind of blame myself and they're like no don't blame yourself uh she's like can i help can i use the alethiometer to help he's like unfortunately that's not going to do us any good it, it takes years of study of the books to to get it down so it's just basically it's just a paperweight <laughs> he's you know and um, is this where? No, the spy flies get her at some point. But he does give her. He lets her know that the symbols have infinite meanings. He kind of gives her an introduction more than the Master of Jordan gave her in that really quick, you know, rushed. Here, here's this thing, and you know, you got to figure out how to use it, and don't tell nobody about it. But you got to go now, and she had to go make her her flight. But this was her the first kind of like, oh, so now she at least now has a template. Like, okay, these. The symbols, which she already gathered, means something, and but and I have to discern. Not only do they mean something, they mean uh, they could possibly mean a lot of things. So she sits with Pan and 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 tries to clear her mind, and um, because I think earlier she got it to move, and she realized like, oh, if I have my mind completely clear, and I set my set my intentions a certain way, I can. 
make it move. So Quorum had already explained you you you, you put the three needles on things and then you, you set your question. So she picks the serpent for for cunning. She picks the the crucible for hard work and she picks the beehive for information. I forget what the beehive. Maybe the beehive was hard work. Yeah, yeah. Snake for cunning, crucible for whatever. So she picked them and then she asked her question and then then you got the the glow in her eye of the reflection of the the alethiometer. Then now's where we get real golden compass feel. Like you get the camera view from inside the compass, you get the real close-ups of the the, the the tiny symbols, you get that needle flying around, and the needle lands on an hourglass with a skull on top. And she's like, "Does that mean he's dead?" And like, "Holy crap!" So again, this was this part, her figuring out her first reading of where Benjamin and the rest of the spies were. This is exactly how it happened in the books. So she runs out on t- on t- deck, runs to Fartacorum's boat. He's like, I told you to stay under underneath, girl. Like, what are you doing? She's like, I read the alethiometer. Benjamin's dead. And before they could process that, Bird Pan is hit with one, in the chest by one of the spy flies. Then L- Lyra's hit in the shoulder by the other one. And then Pan's trying to catch one Lyra's trying to catch the other stomp on it with her shoe and eventually she does she like gets it under her boot Farter Corm comes over with a again this was all just like the book coffee, a coffee mug he gets someone literally complained that like in the complaints that they they don't like that the lithiometer is 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 not round like the, the the case it's in is square and they're like but what about the tin that Farter Corum puts the spy, spy flies in it was a round tin so it could fit the round alethiometer like the things people are focusing on to be upset with are outrageous outrageous and I'll, and I'll get to another one before before we wrap up in a bit um, but Farter Corum puts the coffee cup over it coffee splashes everywhere and then he uh, he grabs a square in <laughs> and puts it in so again it's another one of those things where people can shut up about the round 10 that he put the round alethiometer in now he has a square 10 that he can put the square alethiometer in um, but the other did get away the one pan was trying to catch did get away and they have the one wrapped up in the 10 or trapped in the 10 and the other got away then they notice Tony is back Makas is hugging him. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But this was all we got. He gave her some information, the papers that he stole from uh, Mrs. Coulter's fi- uh, 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 desk. It has Billy's name on it. Makas freaks out. It's got his name on it. They're in the north. It's, you know, so it's obvious. They're just putting all the pieces together. But also, Tony's dead, or Benjamin's dead, Tony tells him. And... And then the next scene, they have John Fa and Coram, and a really powerful scene of Fa kind of like, how do I organize? How am I going to get all these people to go to the north? Like, oh my god! And Coram's like, look, these people love you. They love you're their king. They they'll follow your leadership. 
you saw how you got them all, you know, ready to fight and stand up for themselves earlier. Like, stay with that. And then he tells her, tells then Quorum tells Fah, a Lyra can read that alethiometer. And he's like, what? How? And how do you know? He's like, she told us Benjamin was dead. So if she can read it and if she can continue to read it, she can be more of an asset than any soldier uh any soldier that we could that we could have and he like just stick with it man like you lead these people you're their leader they listen to you don't there's no no don't waver like you're on the right path basically and uh they make him and file make plans to go north and they don't have their little dinghies anymore you know they've got like a real cruise liner looking thing and uh, Lyra wanted to throw was gonna oh in this shot when you would all was the you get a you you get the distinct because you didn't get it the conversation but you get the distinct uh idea that they left all if not all I think Ma's going north with them but most of the women and probably all the kids behind uh, and in the books there was a conversation about maybe they should bring some women along because you know there's going to be who's going to take care of these kids once we rescue them and in the books they decided against it in the show Makasa's with them I don't think I think as far as this episode showed she's the only woman and Lyra's the only child making this journey right. it makes sense that the kids wouldn't go like they wouldn't bring Egyptian children along in this voyage but um, there. this is not a completely patriarchal society like it was in the books so the men don't get to go oh, no, you know it'll be safer here even if that's like legitimately true the, some of the women were absolutely willing to go north and in in, in support in any way they could and they weren't allowed so here at least Makasa gets to go and uh, yeah so so Lyra wants to throw the spy fly in the sea because they're like on the ocean proper now headed to Tro- they're headed to Trollison so they're not going they're going north but they're gonna oh, oh once the fly got away this other spy fly got away Corm was like we gotta go now because that one's gonna obviously go back and say hey there we saw her and she was here um, so Lyra wants to throw the one that they have in the tin in the sea, and Makasa's like, "Fam, like that's not going to do nothing. It's not a living thing. It's a machine with a soul pierced through its heart." Oh, oh! Speaking of soul pierced through the heart, it rem- in the in the in the the speech that John Fa gave, where he riled everybody up and everybody stomping and like, "Yeah, Egyptians go." He's like, "We'll go. We'll get. We'll go north. We'll get the." I think it was this conversation. He's like, or this sec, this scene. He's like, "We'll get the help of the witches." And and Lyra's eyes light up like witches. Oh my God! Did she just say? Did he just say witches? Uh, yeah. Um, so so Makasa explains like we she's like this was a gift even if it was done in hatred or not ha- happiness or whatever however she put it she's like all gifts given in 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 love and hate should be kept she's like give it to Coram he'll seal he'll seal it you know he'll weld it shut but 
there's no point. It's like because in the book they let you know, like if you let it, if you bury it in the sea, or if you throw it in the sea, or bury it in the sand, or do something, like eventually, even if it's 50 years from now, it's going to get out and it's going to do its mission. And its mission is to find Lyra. It's going to find old lady Lyra, like. <laughs> So he, she convinces her to keep it. And then we go for the last scene of the episode. We've uh, we have Mrs. Coulter la- like lounging exasperatively on her couch, and Boreal comes in and sits on the couch as far away from her as he could. Like I thought he was going to sit on the arm of the couch, but he sat as close to the arm of the couch. I mean, he was definitely touching the arm. Um, and then this, they had a conversation. I don't think it was too uh, uh, whatever. It was just a. I don't remember the details of the conversation, but the point of was the at the end of the conversation. Buzz, buzz, buzz. The spy fly found Mama, and Mrs. Coulter grasped it in her hand. And and Boreal's fate. Oh, this was a great line because we found out earlier in epi- the episode that. When when they attacked and 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 they got it in the tin and the other one got away, Quorum's like these things are outlawed by the Magisterium, or or maybe in maybe it was Ma Costa before she when she wanted to throw it in the water. She's like, look, the Magisterium is afraid of them because they don't know exactly how they work because it's a machine with a soul and a spell put on it, uh, or with a a spirit. How does she put it? With a spirit pierced through its heart and a spell done up in it or something so the magisterium's like this is border this is definitely heretical illegal outlawed so when it when the thing lands in her hand Boreal's like first off he's a mate like he's just like in all of this thing like flying in and settling in her hand in the palm of her hand he's like a spy fly are you out of your mind? Like basically, if the if the Magisterium finds out about this, we are so done. But obviously, that's the desperation that Mrs. Coulter was in, and that's and and then you realize, oh, that's why I took her to be drunk before she could do it. Maybe she had to get her get her get some liquid courage in her to use this illegal, banned, heretical tool, even though she doesn't seem to care you know about everybody's rules and regulations so yeah so she clutches it in her hand and goes I know where she is and the episode ends and we come we we, you know we come to the end of an hour and you know it's a little heart pounding and Friday says she cried the last 10 minutes I bet a lot of that had to do with Benjamin DeReuter's death she kind of knew it was coming, but you know that's still it sucks. Uh, I'm really glad that he had three episodes because in the in the books he's very peripheral and yeah he doesn't get many he doesn't get any lines until he's laying there dying with an arrow in his chest, explaining like uh, the, the the bit of re- recon that they got, like the information he had was super helpful. But you know, he, like in the show, he had to give he had to give up his life in order to get it. Um, so yeah, so that's the episode. I mean, just giant thumbs up, and and some of the the, the Facebook stuff. 
So there was one guy in one of the groups complaining that the show was too much like the movie. And and how much he hated it, and oh, he hates this, he hates that, oh, this sucks, the casting is garbage, and just all these, like, what is wrong with you, buddy? And first off, you know, the movie and the TV show are kind of, you know, pulling from the same source material, so maybe that's why they're similar, you jackass. <laughs> but the other stuff was, it, it was, it was ridiculous. It was absurd. I'm not even going to go into any more of the... Really disappointed in the show so far. It's boring. And it's taken three hours to get this far. I don't like the cast or the way it's filmed. (laughs) Okay. It looks like bloody Broadchurch or something. I don't even know what that is. I guess it's a UK thing. Where's the magic? Where's the atmosphere? The movie is on a different level to this bore fest. It needs some Hollywood magic instead of BBC crapness. I have friends who haven't read the books who gave up after one episode. Then this is what got me. Not looking for an argument. This is just my personal opinion on something that means a lot to me. Maybe it'll improve, but with this cast, I doubt it. So I said, I don't come, I don't, I'm not looking for an argument. I'm just here to dump on everything you love. (laughs) That got some likes. And it's just like, buddy, I don't know what you're looking for. I mean, but later he responded to my question, my thing, my sarcastic thing about taking a dump on everything you love by saying, I love the books and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that makes, I'm even more baffled. I don't know how you love the books and are caping for the movie over, you know what? That that right then and there when he said it needs more Hollywood, not the BBC crap. I should like that's your 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 whole opinion is invalid. And then two hours ago, I completely dis. This is from a, uh, a young woman. I completely disagree with those saying where's the magic in the show. This is a criticism that exists mainly because the of the movie, which is focused on a young audience. So people had some serious issues with that guy and his really crappy take. Um, uh, on on what's on on the show so far. Uh, any any uh, yeah any response to that moron and any final words before we uh, before we get out of here. I'm going to take that as a no. All right, so um, yeah, I guess that uh, that does it for for this show. Please follow us on Twitter at Dust Podcast. Twitter.com slash DDust Podcast. Uh, and it's the same one for email. DDust Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, get in your questions, your comments. If you uh, want to have your voice heard on this this here podcast, you can uh, drop us a voicemail. You got three minutes to ask questions, comment, rant about the show, talk about how the cast is crap and it doesn't have, you know, where's all the magic? Uh, hit the voicemail line at 415-787-5229. Once again, the voicemail line is 415-787-5229. So yeah, at D-Dust Podcast, D-Dust Podcast at Gmail, and, uh, and that voicemail line that I just gave a minute ago. 
And, uh, yeah, so that does it for us this week. Uh, for Rich Fan, I'm Travis Bryant. And thank you, everybody, for listening in and giving us feedback and interacting with us. We appreciate you all. So, um, cross back over into, into this world next week. Dust Podcast is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan II and is produced by Cameron Hawkins for the South Congress Podcast Network.